What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ebers, and we've got a pretty fun episode for you today. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. If you've been listening for a while, I appreciate you tuning back in. God bless you. Now, on today's episode, we are going to be sitting down with Aaron Blisey to break down a hunt that he had in October of 2021 on an absolute slammer. Aaron Blisey is pretty well known and has made his living working behind the lens for a few famous groups of hunters in the outdoor industry. But now Aaron is making a name for himself and he's got his own podcast, The Fall Podcast. He's putting out a lot of content on YouTube. It's great stuff. All about whitetails and I love it. This hunt that we break down is an absolute awesome hunt. Um, keep you on the edge of your seat type of thing. It's October. You know, the deer season is in full swing now. So no better time to be talking with the best in the business. Now this podcast is brought to you by Rack Daddy Minerals. You can go to rackdaddyminerals.com right now. Save yourself 10% on any product using the code 573. Right now for me, I'm putting out that barely legal because the bucks are still hitting the mineral sites. And I've got the mock scrape kits out. And let me tell you, I've been having some really good action on those cameras, and I can't wait to get out in the woods. But right now, when you're hearing this episode, I'm probably out in Wyoming chasing after some mule deer. So hopefully these bucks are waiting for me when I get back. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you've been enjoying these episodes, please give us a five-star review. Um, Let us know what you you like about the podcast, anything that maybe you don't. We always love recommendations and feedback, so I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let's go ahead and get into it. If you're listening to this episode, then it is October, and I'm out deep in the mountains chasing after a giant muley. But um, not to fear, we've got Aaron Blisey on the line. He's going to kind of keep the deer season rolling for us and talk about a recent hunt that he was on. So, Aaron, happy to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. I, uh, I'm i excited to talk about this. When you reached out to me, I was like, man, heck yeah, let's do it. I want I, I have, uh, I try to get any excuse I can to talk about deer, so I'm, I'm ready for it, man. I know. It's, uh, it's Saturday night in July, so um, this is how we're spending our Saturday night, having a couple yeah. buds and uh, talking deer. So I, sure, I, I'm, I'm down with that. Now, before we get rolling on, on that breakdown a little bit, I'd, I'd, by the off chance that some of our listeners don't know who you are, um, if you could give us a, an overview, maybe a quick overview about you know who you are, what you do in the outdoor industry, maybe what you've been involved with. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, my name's Aaron Blasey. You pronounced my name right. You don't. You got it right. Not a lot of people do. So, um, no, I've been uh, you know long winded way of me saying what I've what I do is, uh, for the last 11 years, I've been a television producer, um, executive producer in the outdoor industry. Uh, I worked for the Chris and Casey Kiefer brothers, Kiefer brothers for 10 years. Um, 
you know, and I was their senior producer and I filmed them do all their whitetail content and been on Drop before. If anybody's familiar with Drop Project Alaska, filmed that, helped edit that, produce it. Um, you know, and then later, you know, in my career with that, I got in front of the camera quite a bit and, you know, kind of moved into a role of being kind of a personality on, on one of their new shows, Humanimal. Um, and then, uh, then actually within the last year, I moved over with Mark Peterson at Worldwide Trophy Adventures. And uh, for him, I just produce, I follow him. Um, he's got a couple TV shows on outdoor networks and he's got a big digital following as well. So I, my day-to-day is edit and produce all of his digital content along with chasing him around and, and filming him sometimes when I need to fill in. But uh, that's kind of my day-to-day. Um, other than that, I... You know, I run my own podcast called The Fall Podcast. Um, been doing that going on six years now and uh, just hunting whitetails, man, and loving it, loving it every day, man. That's incredible. So you're you're traveling the world and, and filming for him and then editing also? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, like you said, we're talking in July here in about 11 days. I'm heading to New Mexico on a, on a bighorn sheep hunt. Um, we're going to be hunting at about 14,500 feet. So I've been trying to train a little bit to get ready for the altitude. And, uh, cause here in Michigan, I'm, I'm at about maybe less than a thousand feet in elevation. I mean, you can see your dog run for two days <laughs> and he's running away. Um, yeah, I've been all over, man. I've been to Alaska a couple of times. I've been to every province in Canada. I've been to Italy, New Zealand. Um, oh man. Mexico, I, I would have to sit here and think, but I've been all over, been fortunate enough to do that and and uh, travel the world on someone else's dime and have fun doing it. That's that's crazy. That's the dream. That's the dream right there. Yeah. But, you know, it's not all what it is. You know, I, I've just dabbled a little bit in the video and editing world, and I can tell you right now, the content that you have to video and edit is on a whole nother level. And I imagine it gets pretty tedious being behind the screen all the time trying to get that content put together. Yeah, it does, man. It's uh, you try to keep it, um, you try to keep it with the times, and it. I mean, video production is ever evolving um, with the gear, the equipment, the cameras, the lenses. But then even your style. Like I've got a pretty, not I wouldn't say unique style, but I've got a pretty distinguished style of how I like to edit. Um, I, you know, in my own YouTube presence, like on the fall podcast stuff, I like to do things very raw, no music, um, just how it happened kind of thing. But like on Mark stuff and the stuff that I've done in the past, I really enjoy diving into music and diving into uh, bringing the listener in through a different feeling, you know, through music. And I can make you feel like it's very upbeat, but I can also make you feel laugh just through music or sad you know what i mean like so i really like that but there's also something to be said for just kind of like letting your hair down and doing the raw emotion no music that sound how it happened like that's the more i lean to i really like doing that now ironically you know i i've listened to your podcast for the last couple years and really enjoyed it and had no idea that you were actually putting content on youtube my buddy sent me a video of of a couple of your hunts and I'm like, no way. So I, I don't know if maybe I, if you had talked about it on the podcast or what, but, um, I must've just overlooked it and just didn't know anything about it. And so I, uh, 
did a recent search on YouTube and that's kind of what inspired me to get you on the podcast was I, I started seeing some of these videos and one of your most recent videos in um, it would have been in 2021, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I seen that and I was like, oh man, I got to get him on the phone. We got to talk about this hunt because you really did an awesome job in the video breaking it down, but I felt like we could really break it down further because you made a lot of good decisions that led to, um, you know, success. And so I think a lot of people will learn from that and I'm excited to learn from it as well and, and hear what you have to say about it. For sure. Yeah. And honestly, I've had a YouTube channel for, you know, five years or so now, but I didn't put any content on it until, you know, this, this spring, um, when turkey season started going, going on, um, I've had a lot of, I've been fortunate enough to, to kill some animals, you know, deer and turkey and everything in the past, ever since like 2000, I've been filming myself, my stuff since like I was 16 and, you know, I really started getting more into it. Like when I started with the keepers and stuff like that. So I've been kind of repackaging and put that on my YouTube. So this year you really haven't missed much, but this year, like certain spring, I really started ramping the things up and now I'm trying to like get more content out there for everybody. And, you know, I don't claim to be an expert at, by any means at, at anything. Um, I'm just hoping I can help someone that might have, you know, a unique situation like I might have, or like we're going to talk to talk about today, uh, this Ohio deer and, and, you know, the wind and thermals played a pretty big, um, big part in this hunt. And, uh, it just, this, this will go to show you, if you guys haven't heard this, this story is like, it'll go show you how, how much I've progressed as a deer hunter in the last five years or so. And, uh, really just trying to get experience out there because that's the best way to learn obviously um not rocket science by any means but um and we'll get into why i'll, I'll refer to as why but um yeah i i like it i like putting content i got a love hate thing with it right now i really like it but when season comes around i'm filming myself and like i really hate it sometimes so we'll <laughs> see how this ball goes yeah yeah no i i'm sure it's busy you know we're happy to squeeze you in you know because i know that once the season starts ramping up, you know, things get really crazy. Um, and I'm and I'm at a very small scale compared to what you're doing. And so, you know, you're you're a Michigan guy. So, you know, yep. you're you're around deer hunting. It's been a probably did you grow up in Michigan? I did, yeah. I'm born and raised here. I, I was born I'm thirty five years old now. Um yeah, rich tradition around us. Everybody deer hunts around us. Um my dad got me into it when I was real young and uh deer camp was a big thing and still is a big thing but yeah i'm michigan uh I'm, i live in the lower peninsula right in central michigan right in the middle of Minton. so um yeah born and raised here man well one thing i noticed was on the videos that you had just uploaded here in the recent months was that they were on different states so do you get to you know kind of go on your own hunts when you're filming for these guys um along with them or is it just okay i've got some time to go out and hunt so i slip out and i go hunt uh, a different state or something like that you know um when i was filming you know i filmed with keepers for the last 10 years like i said so casey was my sole focus like i filmed him all the time so i would kind of i would kind of work around his schedule if he was going to you know kansas i'd try to draw a kansas tag and then once he killed he'd hop over and you know film me um or ohio if we were going to ohio you know, I would, I would get an Ohio tag, and, you know, if he filled a tag, then I'd go get a tag. Missouri, same thing. I've been fortunate enough to kill some good deer in Missouri. 
Um, and then like Iowa, I drew Iowa in 2019, and he was like, "Nope, you are front and center. I will film you till you kill." Um, and then we'll pop down to Kansas and and hunt Kansas and and try to do that. So that was a pretty unique situation too in 19. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it worked. And I, you know, we didn't. I had to be at on call kind of thing. You know what I mean? So when I was home, I was just hunting around here a little bit, but you know, the last 10 years, I haven't hunted Michigan much, um, you know, here and there a little bit. I really haven't had the, had the finger on the pulse of what my Michigan farms have been doing until this year. I'm not traveling out of state this year. It's my first time in 10 years that I haven't taken out of state hunt. Um, for a couple of reasons, uh, I have, I have some goals that I really want to achieve in Michigan here, but also, um, next year I'm going to Saskatchewan on a whitetail hunt and then I'll draw Kansas next year. And then the year after I'll draw Iowa. So I'm kind of ramping up, building some brownie points for the next two years, to be honest with you. Right on, right on. You know, I know you said that you're not an expert, but I know you had a slammer of a season last year. Um, how many bucks did you end up with and how many different States? I killed three bucks in three states and i only sat 13 times in a stand that's awesome that's awesome so i i mean at the end of the day you know you're you're figuring something out you're doing something right and i know that luck plays a part into it but that can't be it that can't be the only thing so um you know when i watched this most recent video and i'm just gonna stop everybody right here and i'm gonna tell you to pause the podcast open up youtube head over to his channel and check this video out because i think it's going to bring a lot of context to what we're going to be talking about here today and so, um, unpause, you're back. We're going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to kind of break that hunt down because like I already had said earlier, you did a good job of breaking down that hunt, but you know, I want to really get through what was going through your mind. And now that the hunt has happened, you know, there's probably a lot of things that have added up to you that have made it where you can explain it better and how it was so successful. So, I guess my first question would be, um, you know, is this a farm that you were familiar with? And, um, you know, was it, I mean, did you have a pulse on the deer there? Or was it just kind of like, you know, I got some time to run out to Ohio. I'm going to go to a spot and see if I can get it done. So, yes and no on on a farm that I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with the ground. Um, It's a lease that Chris and Casey have. And... Um, it, it's a farm that I've filmed on, um, when I filmed Casey, he didn't hunt there a lot. Um, I was down there. I hunted with a muzzleloader one year and passed up a really big year cause he was too young. He was the only deer we couldn't, couldn't shoot. And, um, but I knew the lay of the land for the most part. Um, but not like, not like the back of my hand, if that makes sense. We spent a little bit of time down there. But it wasn't um, it wasn't a ton, and the deer density on this farm is very high. There's a lot of deer, uh, and it's rolling hills. It's big hill country, um, and the pulse of the deer that were on that farm, I had no idea. I knew in the past there's always been big deer on the farm, um, you know, one forties, one fifties. You know, and then occasionally you get the one sixty, and then one knocking on one seventy, and that that's you know, that's occasionally, that's like, I shouldn't say like anywhere, but, you know, like in Michigan, you, you know, around me, it's, we might get one in the 130s or 140s, but we're going to have the 110s and the 120s, kind of like 
kind of scale it to where you're at. But, um, you know, the plan was Casey and I were going to go down there and he had some stuff come up and I had already bought a tag and I allocated the, I was going to be there. I was going to go down on the 25th of October and I was going to be there for 11 days. So, or, you know, plus or minus a couple of days. If it, if it took me longer to kill, then I was going to stay there a little bit longer because that was kind of my season. Um, and then, cause I, I had a goal to, to kill in Illinois, my first Illinois buck. I've hunted Illinois in the past. I'd never killed a buck there. And I went and did that on October 13th. And then I, you know, came home and I wanted to kill in Ohio because Ohio was the, was the state that I've hunted the most out of state and it never killed a buck. So I'm like, I really wanted to punch that tag as well. So I was going to spend, you know, as much time as it was going to take. And then I was going to come home and, and be home for basically the rut. And, um, if I needed to be and try to fill that tag as well. So it was a long winded way of saying, yes, I, I kind of know the farm, but, um, it's kind of a unique situation that we can get into in a little bit of why I decided to go to the area I did, um, to even check it out because of something that happened the year prior. So yeah, I get if that answers your question. Okay. All right, well, then set the stage for us a little bit about the property itself. I know you mentioned it's kind of hill country. You know, what are we looking at, like fields, woods, uh, terrain ratio aspect? What do we got going on, and how big is it? Uh, Acre-wise, I honestly cannot remember how many acres is. I want to say it was like 280, something like that. Uh, Might be a touch bigger. Not a, not a giant farm by any means, good size farm, but not you know, anything huge. Big woods, um, the, the one downside of the farm is you only can enter from one way and the mornings, it is really hard to hunt mornings at this farm because you, uh, you come in from the top and there's a big, big cornfield and you have to go through the cornfield or bean field, whatever it is that year, the year that I killed, it was corn. Um, and you have to enter the farm that way. There's no other way to enter it. So that to me is, is kind of like a kind of sucks. And mornings are tough. You're blowing the deer around and, you know, to get to the back and, you know, where a lot of the good hunting is, you got to go through the whole farm. So that, that kind of sucks. But, um, you know, there's more timber than there is ag. Uh, there's a lot of oak ridges. But these valleys and these ravines, man, these are big. Like they're not like... You know, it's not like just kind of rolling hills. I mean, these are these are like you're humping to get up these things when you're in the in the deep bottoms of these. So it's big hill country um, and uh, big timber, big timber. I mean, these trees, mature trees, huge trees. Like when I when I sit in the in the timber, it's like you look up and you're like, man, it's just like majestic. You know, it's just it just I feel like the trees are just taller than they are everywhere else. Like it's just it's crazy it's just a big big uh big farm it lays out big but in reality to me it's kind of like a long skinny farm but it lays out big just because of like the sheer mass if you were to take it and and push it down and it spread out the sheer mass is like huge because of the hills okay is it pretty open then i guess with all those um you know hardwoods being so mature you know it, it is in a lot of areas but when you get like midway down some hills and some bowls and down the bottoms it gets really really thick um so 
a lot of the deer are bedding low. Um, they bed low a lot, and then they they go high. But the good thing, there is a, you know, real good thing about us having ag, or you know, the farm having ag. But all the neighbors, there's a lot of ag touching the timber uh, on the neighbors. So, I mean, there was beans to the north that year. There was beans to the west, if I remember right, that year. South is more like swampy, um, thick, nasty stuff. But at that time, October 26th, you know, it's my favorite time to hunt, really, is, you know, that last part of October. Same. But I was, I was really trying to hope, I was hoping to, you know, catch a buck that was coming out of bed, cruising up, you know, checking some scrapes and checking rub lines and everything like that to find does that are out feeding in these ag fields. That was kind of my hope. Right on, right on. And so it sounded like your situation was it was a, a pre-planned trip um, with you and Casey and that you were going no matter what the weather w- looked like uh, or whatever the situation was. So you got there on October 25th or when did you get 20- there? I got there the night of the 25th and uh, it rained all day. It was a five, a little over five-hour drive from my house down there. And the whole way down, I was by myself. I had a, I had a field producer, camera guy, Quentin Brown. He came in from Illinois to film me, and it rained for me the whole way down, which I, which I really liked because um, I love getting in after it rain, and that played a big factor. Also, this precipitation did. So yeah, I got in the night of the twenty fifth. Okay, okay, and so yeah, it was it was rainy that day, and it looked like on the video it had been probably just getting over that rain that very next day when you went out to the woods. So I guess we'll start from the top there and uh, kind of explain, you know, what what your thought process was going into October 26th. Yeah, so got into camp 25th. Um, Quint met up with me. We kind of got a game plan, but I told him, you know, it, it was supposed to rain. I mean, I'm not talking about light rain. It was, it was a hard rain, and uh, it was supposed to rain you know, into the morning and supposed to stop like just after daylight. And, you know, going back to your earlier question, I had no pulse on no finger on the pulse of what was going on. I didn't have any cameras out, you know, early season, nothing like that. Like Ohio was kind of like a last minute deal. Um, I knew I was going to do Illinois and Michigan, but it was like one of those things like I'm going to get an Ohio tag too and just kind of go down and, and see. So it was kind of a last minute thing, but, I had no idea what deer were there. I knew what was there the year before, but didn't know what made it through. Um, so my plan was to get in. I told Quentin, I said, I I don't like to make the first sit that I have, you know, of the year or at a new farm or something like that in the morning. And my plan was, I mean, this this farm was littered with stands um, from Chris and, Kate, Chris and Casey over the years. I mean, they've had this lease for a long time. And I didn't really want to hunt any other stands. Like, I kind of wanted to do this on my own. I was going to do all hang and hunt scenario stuff, uh, just run and gun, take a stand in, hang it, take it down. Like, that was my goal. Um, I kind of want to do it on my own. Well, uh, I wanted to go in after the rain, like while it was raining. We were driving to the farm that next morning while it was raining. It was kind of just drizzling. And uh, I told Quentin, I said, we're going to know. I want to find some scrapes. I want to go with some areas where I knew there were scrapes in the past. We're going to know what's been open that morning because, you know, after a rain, the dirt is kind of glazed over and everything. We'll know what's hit. I was going to deploy some cameras, 
because I mean, I'm going to be there for a week and a half, two weeks. Um, so I wanted those out there running and everything, just getting intel. And uh, we get to the first spot and walk down in this little valley and everything. And, and I find a scrape, not a big one, just inside, just inside the cornfield in the timber about, I don't know, 15 yards. Um, wasn't hit. And I put a camera on it. I, I doctored it up myself. And uh, then I kept going, going down the valley. And there's like a huge scrape every year down this valley a little ways. And it's kind of where two, two t- um, topography like train features it's where two ballot or two um ridges come up from the bottom and they meet and there's usually a big like hub scrape right there and there was not so i'm like well okay so i turned around we kept going on and um i found literally found probably i don't know 15 to 20 scrapes a couple more opened nothing was really like hitting me in the face like you know, I need to be here. And this is kind of where the evolution of my hunting has taken a big change from five years ago. Five years ago, I would have probably set up on scrape number five and was like, okay, it's a good spot. This is where I'm going to hunt tonight. I'm going to get in and could have worked out, but more likely probably wouldn't have. But uh, where the experience comes in, where I've seen a lot of what I was doing and, you know, been in scenarios and situations doing it a lot where it just didn't give me the wow factor you know um and kind of flash back to the year prior so 2020 season casey hunted this farm and i filmed him for oh man almost two weeks in the rut and he ended up shooting a buck rattled a buck in one morning and shot him high in the neck uh i I don't really know what happened but we ended up tracking this deer for a long ways and we went up and down these valleys and we we came into a spot in the farm that i've never been in nobody else, nobody's ever been it's i would say it's probably about 80 acres of big rolling hills i mean huge hills and there's this oak ridge um that is way back off the road and no like we've never hunted i mean these guys have had this farm for over 10 years and nobody's ever been up there hunting well as we're tracking seeing all this sign and i'm like man this is crazy like you know at the time i wasn't like you know put in the memory bank for like oh ever in the future i'm gonna come back and hunt this it was more of just like wow like i just can't imagine i can't believe all the sign in here well long story even longer we couldn't find the deer so as we were kind of coming out that next day we looked two days for this deer as we were coming out we come down to a bench and it's kind of like a it's like a secondary ridge so you know, the big ridge is up top and you kind of come down off the big ridge, probably 100, 150 yards. And there's a secondary ridge. It's not very big. It's like 40 yards by 40 yards and it makes a triangle. And then it drops off even farther to the to the bottom. And this thing was tore up. And I remember driving, well, driving, we had a buggy. We're trying to get through the timber. And I remember like riding by it. Like, man, this is, like, that's a spot, you know? So as Quentin and I were, you know, fast forward back to, October 26th, as Quentin and I were looking around, I told Quentin, I said, I want to go check out that bench. It's been, you know, a year since I've been back there. I want to check it out and see if, what's in there, you know. So, and the good thing is, you know, it rained, so it was really quiet for us walking. And uh, we had a good wind. 
it was in our face. I didn't want the wind to blow down into the bottoms river because I figured that's where the deer were bedding. So we worked and got to this 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 bench, and man, it hit me in the face. Like there was like eight or ten open scrapes. There's a couple rubs, and it was all within this little area. And I'm like, holy crap! Like we need to we need to spend some time here. And we had a northwest wind coming that night. And I told Quentin, I said, let's let's get out of here. I picked a tree out. It was my secondary tree. I didn't want to be in that one, but I had to be because of the wind. I wanted to be on the opposite side of where I ended up sitting um, because there was a big drop-off. One of the sides of the triangle was a big drop-off, and the deer couldn't get behind me. But that was upwind of where I figured deer would be coming. And uh, so we kind of got out of there. We were only gone for like an hour, hour and a half, grabbed a bite to eat, grabbed the stands, came in with all of our gear. Well, hold on. Let me stop you, actually, because, um, you know, we got we got into the scouting mission that morning and you said that you actually first I want to ask you, because most most guys and gals are out there probably wondering, Okay, they've been trampling all over these woods I mean, what was the access to get back into that spot? How were you able to do that without putting pressure on the property? So, okay, so there was an old logging road because way, I don't know, way back when they, like, select cut this oak ridge even farther back than where I was, and there was this old logging road that um, that the guys that would lease it from, they do, like, side-by-side rides, you know, razors and rangers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they use this road. It's not a very big road, but it um, it came in from the top, and it just circled around this ridge perfectly enough to where I don't know. It just our scent wasn't going down in there, um, and I felt like we were pretty bulletproof, and we were high enough up on from the bottom that I didn't think we were going to booger anything up. I was okay with bumping a couple deer if they were bedded just off the ag fields because like the ag field was up top here's the middle like where we were walking and the bottom obviously down here there's a lot of deer that like to bed up next right next to the ag field but there was a positive to it because the ag field there it's like really really brushy next to the ag field and i felt like we were just far enough down from it where they either a couldn't see us they couldn't smell us and if they heard us, I don't think we were going to be close enough for them to even to booger out. And honestly, I wasn't hunting those deer. I wasn't hunting the deer that were up at the top coming at the bottom in the evening. I was hunting deer coming from the bottom, coming to the top. That was my whole sole focus. And honestly, I was just, I'm looking for a cruiser. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, that is my favorite time to hunt because that's when the biggest deer, in my opinion, are up and looking, you know, finding that first doe. And I figured with this rain just stopping, these deer are going to be up early. I feel like they're going to be up moving. I was in hopes to like see tons of deer. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't realize I was going to be seeing a deer and it'd be the deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that was kind of my whole focus. And, you know, if anybody's watched the video, you'll see like I walk around this bench and I've had a couple comments. People are like, man, you really pushed the envelope there walking around that bench. Why did you do that? And I'm like, well, I did it with a purpose. I knew when I walked up to this bench and started kind of working around, I was blogging, I was filming. I knew that any deer that would come to this bench, 
I was going to have an arrow in before he'd get to my scent. Um, that is something that I've really taken up uh, a page out of a couple of my buddies' books that are way better deer hunters than I are. When they assess the situation, when they come into a situation, they take a step back and they just look and it's like, okay, you know, it's like, where's the big picture? You know, if I was, they can see the sign from a distance. It's like, okay, what's, what's going on here before like running right over there and getting excited. It's like, where can I sit? Where are the deer moving? You know, you take a step back and just kind of play the scenarios through your head right there. And I did that. I walked up to the first scrape, which was where I was walking and coming into that bench. There was a scrape literally right there. So I had no choice to be right by it. It like led me right to it. So then immediately I was like, okay, where are the deer moving from here? You know, and I figured they were taking, I figured they were coming out of the bottom from the southeast with a northwest wind from the southeast and they were checking. And then they were going up north from this, this bench with the, no, or the wind cutting their nose coming into the, feet, the food. Um, so they had the wind the whole way. So my biggest issue was I didn't, I'm not very good at thermals and like knowing vacuum effects and hill country stuff like that. It's all like a learning experience for me still. So that was my only really the only red flag in my head is like, where am I going to sit where I can get just off for this deer? If he comes out of this bottom to kill him basically. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I navigated it. And that's one thing, one takeaway I would say to anybody else there is like when you get into a situation, make sure if you're going to hunt it right then, uh, like my case, I was going to hunt it that night, that anywhere that that deer might hit your scent, you're going to already have an arrow in him and he's not going to know you're even there. Well, I think, you know, your intentions were direct in that video. I mean, you were you were on this logging road. It kind of even looked like a logging road on the video. That's kind of why I asked. Um and you were seeing this scrape sign, and then at one point in the video, you kind of get to the edge of the hill to confirm if there's deer actually bedding down below, and you confirm some sightings. And so I thought, wow, that's money. You know what I mean? He knows these bucks are probably taking these scrapes and scent checking these does downwind. And, um, you know, after a big rain, as as a lot of people know, and if you don't know, you know, it's um, it's pretty good because they want to come back and they want to check those scrapes. And, uh, so, you know, I think anybody that watches that video is going to understand that, you know, you were, you had direct reason for doing what you were doing and, uh, you get back to this spot that you had thought about hunting or had seen in the past that proved really well. Um, you know, is that, is that spot as good as it is because it's hard to get to and because it, I mean, maybe the neighbors can't put the pressure on like, um, they can in other places where you said that the ag fields kind of bump up against the wood line. Yeah, I think it's I think it's got a couple scenarios. I think it, a it's it's really far off any beaten path. B for as long as I've been with Chris and Casey, you know, working with them, and they've had that farm since 2012 or 13 least. So we're talking almost 10 years at the time. Wow. I had never known of anybody ever hunting over there. So like. I mean, we're talking virgin deer. Like, I'll be the first one to tell you, like, it's 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 virgin territory. That's um, crazy. So that was another thing. And I don't, I don't know how much pressure it gets from the neighbors on the west side, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like I felt like going in, 
be in virgin deer, virgin territory, like I had a good opportunity to at least see a good buck. I mean, and I, I want to preface this too. Like, like I don't claim to be a big buck killer or hunter. Like I was going to shoot the first four year old 130 inch deer that comes by me. Like if he's four out of state, you know, he's, he's for me. And, uh, I always do the litmus test of like, if I see him, even in Michigan, if I see him and I'm like, Oh, it gets me really excited right away. Okay. That's a deer that I'm going to take. But if, if I'm like, eh, you know, try to talk myself into it, then I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I try to give myself a little bit of ground rules to kind of, you know, keep myself straight. But, um, you know, I was going to literally the first year it made me happy. If he was at least four and 130 inches, I was going to, I was going to take him. So Okay. I figured I was going to see a good deer then. I'd at least see one from a distance. Yeah, it seemed like the, you know, just just for me personally, I completely agree with you about the end of October being such a hot time of the year for mature bucks in general. And, you know, coming off a good rain and anticipating that they'll be up and moving. Um, one question I had for you, though, you said that you and your cameraman actually kind of left and decided to come back later that afternoon were you at all concerned about you know the possibility of a buck getting up early and and checking those scrapes while you were gone or, or what was your thought process there no um honestly it really didn't cross my mind um just because i didn't think there was probably a, i didn't think there was a lot of midday movement at that time um i mean it's one of those toss-up kind of things i mean a deer can move at any time you know and it just depends on how tight you are they're betting um that time of year but i really wasn't concerned with that at all and i honestly we went down there with a camera in hand i had a trail cam and i was like i didn't have a stand or nothing because i didn't plan on hunting right then um that was like i mean we're talking like i don't know 10 11 o'clock in the morning you know, so I, I really wasn't, I wasn't going to really be putting all day sits in until around Halloween, like really I was going to kind of like figure out the deer movement, see what they're doing. If they are moving midday, I, this was kind of like a dip the toe in, um, and let's, let's get in here, get the stand set. And, uh, and I was going to ride the hole in this spot for the whole week, as long as the wind was going to 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 lend it you know being a good spot for the wind like as long as the wind was letting me be there i was gonna be there because i knew in my head you know i don't know if i was being a little cocky or whatnot but i knew that you know if i was gonna be here for 11 12 days i'd get an opportunity at a deer on this bench it's just it was that good um didn't realize it was gonna happen in about three hours but from when i left but um you know because it never happens to me that way so yeah, I really wasn't too concerned because um, I felt like I was, honestly, also, I felt like I was a little farther from betting. Um, so I, I thought it was going to be more of something that was going to be that last half hour to 45 minutes of light. But I think what had helped me was the rain. I think the rain and that precipitation got the deer up a lot quicker. Okay. Yeah. So, and I wonder, you know, I... I... I think, you know, to back you up a little bit, it was day one of an anticipated 11-day trip. So, you know, obviously you weren't coming in guns a-blazing because that's a good way to get burnout and burn a spot out. So, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Another thing is that really is key uh, uh, part of your story was the fact that 
you're super confident in this spot. You know, if you're not confident in a spot, you know, there's a less likely chance that you're going to be as successful. And it seemed like you just had all the confidence in the world that this was going to be the setup that took care of it. So um, what I want you to do is I want you to kind of, you know, I cut you off a little bit about, you know, when you guys were leaving. Take us through the rest of the day and into the hunt that afternoon. Yeah, so we left. I put a camera up on on the most active scrape um, that I thought was kind of the community scrape on that area. And like I said, I had I we picked the tree out, and it was the it was the it was the secondary tree. Um, so we left. I had to go get the stands. I had to get something to eat. Uh, hadn't ate all morning, so I wanted to get a good bite to eat, get a shower, get cleaned up, and everything, and then head out. So. But I didn't want to be gone for more than an hour, hour and a half, and I wanted to be in the tree. It ended up being a little bit longer than anticipated, I think, by the time we got set up. And, and I have to really think back, but I, th- I want to say it was around 2, 2.30, you know, and time change hasn't happened yet. So it's getting dark, you know, 7 o'clock, 7.30. So it was going to be a longer sit that night. Um, excuse me. And, um, you know, we went back, got a bite to eat grabbed the stands, came back in, um, huffed them in there a long way, and I started hanging the stands, and Quint was filming me, trying to be as super quiet as I could be because I was also checking the wind the whole time. And like I said, I'm I'm on a secondary ridge to where, you know, the thermals could play havoc in any different situation. And But what was happening, and, you know, since you said this is going to go live in October, I was actually just looking at Onyx the other night, and I'm going to do a, a even further breakdown, map breakdown of this hunt, and I'm going to put it up on YouTube. So if this is going live in October, you'll probably have, it'll be live already, so you can kind of see how the direction the wind was going and everything. But so if the wind's coming out of the northwest, what it was doing is I was sitting where I put the stand right behind me was a was a major drop off. Um, I shouldn't say major, but I was about 20 feet in the air and where it dropped off right behind my tree was about 30 feet. So it was, you know, a good 10 foot drop right off my tree. And it kind of like did a hard left turn and went down a valley. So what the wind was doing, you know, out of the Northwest, a lot of times it'll be just like a straight line, but it was hitting me and my wind right after it get that 10, you know, that 10, foot drop it would turn and follow that valley and go straight south to southwest so it was coming out of the northwest hitting me and taking a turn and going south southwest so that was helping me because all the deer i figured were betting more down to like the east southeast of me kind of but i figured i was just off from the wind where any deer that come up and check i think you know, they'd be, the wind would be cutting their nose, but I also thought that it'd be just enough to where he wouldn't, you know, the deer wouldn't smell me until he got right on me and I'd already have him killed. So that was the whole plan. So it took me about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to hang the tree. We both got up there, got the tree arm set, Quentin got set in, um, put the second camera angle up and, uh, I got my bow ready and everything and got ready and you know, it was just exciting. Like I'm in Ohio, you know, beautiful night. I mean, to, to paint the, paint the picture of the night, it was just, there was a decent wind, 12 to 15 mile an hour wind. 
like I said, hitting me right in the face. I was facing northwest. Um, it was coming out of the northwest, and it was it was coming down, and it ended up being like south southwest. But the you know the leaves are turning colors. It's got a little nip in the air. It just like it was just like that beautiful October night, you know. And uh, we're sitting there, and I want to say it wasn't long. Um, and Quentin, so something I like to do when I get in a stand. I could be filming you, I could be filming anybody, or I'm hunting. I like to go through scenarios, every scenario. Okay, let's work it through. If a deer comes from here, what are we doing? If a deer comes from here, what are we doing? Yada, yada, yada. Well, if you can, if I can paint an audio picture, well, if you're looking at a triangle and there's a point of the triangle that is facing northwest, there's a point of the triangle facing northeast, and a point of a triangle facing basically south i if you take that south point and that northeast point i'm in the middle of that straight line if that makes sense and i wanted to be in the on the middle of the straight line from the south to the northwest is where i want to be but the wind was just not allowing me to be there so we're sitting there and quentin is facing straight away from me i'm facing northwest he's facing southeast and uh, we're sitting there, and Quentin goes, Buck. He just says, Buck. And I'm like, where? And, you know, and he goes, right underneath you, or underneath us, to it'd be to the south of us. And I'm like, crap. And I said, can I move? And he goes, nope. And that's something you don't see on this video because we didn't get any footage of it. He was honest, like, I mean, quick. I said, "Was is it a shooter? He goes, no, it's, it's a small eight. I looked down, and this deer, he's coming right underneath of us. And he's just, you know, probably a hundred inch eight pointer and he's going to come up and he's going to check these scrapes, but the wind, as it turned, he's coming from the South, hit him. And he's like, no, I'm out of here. So I'm like, well, shit, I hope the deer don't do that. Um, so he left. And then I told Quentin, I said, if there's a, if any deer come up from, you know, from the East of us, it's more likely I'm going to have to shoot him full frontal if he doesn't if he doesn't turn because he's going to literally graze our, our, the, the way that the topography laid, he was going to have to come five yards from a base of our tree to get to this bench. That was why it was the secondary tree. <laughs> I wanted the one where I could see him coming from a ways and then he'd come up to the bench, you know, give me a good 20 yard shot and it'd be done. So I told him, I said, if he comes up here, just be ready that there's a good chance that I might shoot him full frontal if I have to. And um, so we went through all the scenarios and we sat there most of the night, man. I didn't see anything. Um, I don't know. And it was probably, you know, at least an hour before before dusk, you know, before the, the, the light was going to fade and everything. And I, as you'll see on the video, um, Quentin was you know, in the production world, we call a lot of a B-roll, you know, just different shots. Like I might pull up my, my nose and he'd get a shot of me. And that's just kind of what makes production go and everything. Well, I was glassing and he was just getting shots of me and he had the camera rolling. He was getting a tight of my face. And as I turned, I was, I was looking through my binos down to the East, down the Valley. And I could see a deer move. I could see legs and that's all I could see was so thick. And all of a sudden I see like a catch, like a time move. And I'm like, Quentin, there's a buck. And I looked and I 
like he and the deer turned and I'm like, holy crap, shooter buck. And I looked at him and he looked at me like, You're, are you joking? And I'm like, no, seriously, like there's a big deer down there. And when he turned, again, the deer turned to look. He is like, I'm like, holy shit, this is the biggest typical <laughs> deer I've ever seen in my life. And immediately I'm just like, my heart is just racing. So what the deer was doing is he was facing straight like north. He was like side hilling me. He was parallel with me. He didn't look like he was going to come over to me. So what I did is I went to my backpack on the other side and I grabbed my can call out. So my can call is like, you know, I don't like to like throw out blow horns of grunts right away. Like a can call to me won't scare a buck away. It's more of like, ah, I'm over here. You know, I'm a doe. No reason to get up, you know, scared of me. It's like my feel feeler call. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm over here. Come check me out kind of thing. And I set it right on the seat of my stand. And I, my thought was, if he was going to keep paralleling me and going up to that, you know, the other ag field, I was going to hit him with a can. And if that wasn't going to stop him, I was going to then grunt at him and just see if I get his attention. And as I'm fiddling around my bag on the other side of the tree, Quentin, I finally got Quentin on the deer and he's watching him. And Quentin goes, dude, he's coming. He just jumped the creek. And there's, if you come down this big valley, there's a creek in the bottom. And if you fall, it's like, it's like a 10 foot drop down in this creek. If you get down in there, it's, it's kind of hard to get out. He jumps this creek. And I just looked over when he, you know, jumps and he's like, he's coming right to us. And by the time I got looking at him, I'm like, he's already at 50, 45, 40 yards. Like he's coming. Holy smokes. Yeah, and it's it's happening fast. So I'm like, shit. So I grabbed the I I had the the can. I'm like, I don't need the can. So I put it on my seat, and I'm like, I'm facing my tree now. Like I'm not, like he's coming from behind us. Quentin's on him and everything, and he he comes up to about 25 yards, and he's in some trees, and he's just standing there. And you'll see on the video, he's just standing there, and he's looking up the hill. He has no idea I'm in the world looking up the hill and what he's doing what i think he's doing is he is he's within 30 yards of this bench okay so he's a lot lower than me i think what he's doing is he's waiting for that wind to get right for him to come up on the bench like there's so he can scent check it because my wind is almost hitting him like it is so close and um i go to full draw i've got like two trees in front of me Cause I knew once he came within those two trees, he's within 10 yards. And I, I was out in the middle of the open. I wouldn't be able to draw on him if, if I didn't draw them. So I'm holding and holding. And finally he turns and he's walking, he's going to walk right to this bench, walk right underneath me. And he grunts and you can't hear it on the footage. I wish you could hear, but he just like lets out this, this grunt and he's at 11 yards and he stops kind of puts his head down and I'm, I'm wanting him to turn. Like I need him to turn. My goal wasn't to shoot him full frontal, but I knew if I had to, I had the setup to do it. I had full confidence in my equipment and everything I was doing. I had never done it before. I've seen a lot of people do it, but I knew the confidence I had to do it and the, and the equipment I had. So he is obviously 10 foot below me. And he kind of, you'll see on the footage, he looks up and he sees the sticks. So I like to put, 
the sticks on like the backside of the tree, kind of away from where I think the deer are going to come. And th- I don't know if a strap was loose or something like that, but I think he caught the sticks and he looks up in the tree, but he's looking below me still. Like I'm up higher. And all of a sudden he like, when he did that, he could see something above the sticks. And then he looks right at me and opens up his full chest. And I said, Quentin, are you good? And he said, yeah. And I put it, I put it lower than what I hit. I hit a little higher than I wanted to, but I hit basically where the neck meat like comes into his chest. I put it there and, you know, anticipating right through the heart and I let it loose and I hit him right below the white patch and I immediately lost my knock. I had a lighted knock. It like went right in him and like I just, the knock disappeared. And he whirls out of there and he runs to 52 yards and he's sitting there just standing, looking around, flicking his tail. And I'm like, I'm, I remember telling myself, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what do I need to do? I grabbed another arrow and he's at 52 yards and I knock an arrow and I'm like, I'm going to shoot him again. And there was two trees in the way and I, I needed him to take like two steps and I'd have a wide open shot. And I just needed to get another one in him. So I knock an arrow and I'm just looking and I turn my bow and I put my binos on him. And within that time, I'll probably 10, 15 seconds lapse. And all of a sudden, I just see him just like profusely like blood coming out of his mouth. Like, and I'm like, oh, he's completely done. And he falls right then. I mean, it happened so fast. And he, he just, that was the end of it right there. That's incredible, dude. Oh, man. It got me fired up when I saw that whole entire scene and sequence. It just, Ooh, that's everything you want right there is to go in and make a setup and uh, anticipate that, you know, you made the right setup and, and something happened like what happened to you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that, that deer, I had no idea that deer was even – I have no idea who the deer was. I thought I did um, after further inspection, not the deer I thought he was. Um, but, yeah, just – you know, and that 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 hunt right there was a big confidence booster in in, in what in my hunting style and, and career and whatever you want to call it, because you know I read the sign, um, and I think I got I had a lot of luck involved as well, but some things aligned. And after I looked back on it and on on X and just kind of broke down the topography lines and how he approached the bench and where I was and why he did that, like it's a no brainer, dude. If, if I could go hunt there again tomorrow, I would, I'd get, I'd try to get in the first tree, but I mean, if I knew, if I couldn't, I'd get in the second tree, but the thermals were crazy because when he, when he looked up at my sticks and then looked at me, I could feel the wind turn. You'll, I think you can hear me on the footage say the wind's blowing right at him and it hits me in the neck and he, and it's going right at him. So I don't know if, Right then, just the wind kind of decided to shift and go more straight and not dive down the hill. Because when I was throwing milkweed, man, it was going right behind me and then, like, turning on a hard turn and going right down the hill. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is powerful stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was nuts how it happened. So the buck comes into your wheelhouse, and you decide to take that frontal shot. You know, I know that you said that's the first time you've ever taken that frontal shot before. Um, I, I like the fact that you explain where you were aiming, you know, even though it didn't hit where you're aiming, um, that that's a, a shot you would feel comfortable with taking again. hundred percent. Um, you know, with my, 
my bow setup and my arrow setup, that's what a lot of people ask like, after they watch that footage. Like, what were you shooting? So my bow, I was shooting a Matthews um, Vertix. No, I'm sorry, V3 and 65 pounds. I have a 28-inch draw. I'm not a big guy. My total arrow weight was 470 grains. I was shooting 125-grain Helix uh, single bevel broadhead. So I wasn't shooting like a mechanical. I used to shoot mechanicals for the last 12 years and had a lot of success with them. But honestly, I wanted to go to a heavier arrow setup, um, heavier mass and broadhead. I wanted to do a single bevel. And honestly, man, this broadhead, it went when when I gutted him out and we skinned him out that night, um, that that arrow went all the way through him. It's 28-inch arrow. I'm sorry, 27-and-a-half-inch arrow. Went all the way through him, and six inches were, as he was running, it probably worked through it a little bit, um, but it six inches of it was hanging out between his legs down by, it was privates there between his legs. When I got up to him, there's six inches of that arrow hanging out of him. And when I further inspected, it went in and it took out uh, both lungs. I mean, it took out everything. It's so lethal. That shot is so lethal. I will say it is kind of after doing some research and I'm a big white cell adrenaline fan, like with Jared Scheffler and everything, he loves the full frontal and he'll even tell you like, you know, on the ground that that is a lethal shot in the, and I agree with him. Like, and from a tree stand, it's kind of tricky. You got, you got a little more room for air there. I get that, but I was I was confident, man. And with that deer, I wasn't I wasn't going to pass up that opportunity either. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was point blank, you know. And you had been held back on him for a while. I mean, at that point, I would assume you had been steady. And like I said, you know, your setup was good. I I think you guys got a little shot of the B roll of that broadhead you were using. That thing looked slick. It looked sharp. So. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you having the confidence you did in your setup and just, you know, the, the opportunity he gave you, I mean, it, it wasn't, I don't think any deer hunter would pass it up. And if they do, you know, maybe they're just, you know, they're just more ethical than we are, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Um, I wasn't going to pass it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it sounds like when you opened him up, you know, you caught everything. You caught main arteries. You caught both lungs. You know, I mean, how how much better of a way for a deer to go out than to – to get everything like that i mean you watched him fall he couldn't have gone that far how yep. far do you think i mean stepping wise did did he go it was about it was about 55 yards yep. he ran from where i shot him um i was 11 yard shot when i shot him um and then he ran about like i said about 55 yards it was close enough to where i know i could i'm good you know with a white tail i'll shoot you know 60 and in if i have to i mean last year i Illinois I shot a deer at 54 yards and then my Michigan deer I came home for after the Ohio deer and and uh my number one buck I was chasing for two years I finally caught up to him and I shot him at 54 yards um I don't know I I, I don't shoot my bow a ton but I I shoot like effective arrows you know what I mean in the yard like I, I really try to shoot uh you know where I have good confidence and I work on all my own stuff all my own bows and everything like that and and I try to make sure everything's dialed and, and gives me more confidence knowing that I'm working on it and I know how it's going to perform inside and out. And, um, yeah, it's got to be a, a special serious scenario as well for those longer shots. Like, you know, I'm not going to shoot that far on a deer that's alert. You know, my Illinois deer, that deer was in a bean field and had no care in the world. He was the only deer in the field. Um, 
had no idea I was there, and he didn't know he was hit until the arrow went through. Um, in my Michigan buck, he was so pinned down on a doe that the arrow blitzed through him so fast that, uh, I mean, he was he didn't even hear the bow go off, you know. So it's all scenario-based as well. Absolutely. So, so you see him go down. You know, what's going through your mind? You know, you just did this scouting mission, and it led to this encounter, and it all came together. I mean, what what's going through your mind as you're walking up to this buck? Man, first of all, when I was in the tree, I started crying um, because of just – like, I don't know, man, I, I was fortunate enough to kill, uh, you know, a gross spooner in, in 2019. And I, that was like my, like, that was my ultimate goal. That was my Super Bowl. Like, that is what I wanted to achieve, my personal goal. And then I knew this deer was going to be really close to a typical gross booner again. Like, it was the biggest typical deer I've ever seen in my life. And... So that had an effect, but I also, like, one of the first things I thought was, I've missed Halloween for the last 11 years, and my daughter, she's four now, and I'm like, I have yet to be with her with a Halloween, so I'm like, I'm going to be home for Halloween. Like, that was, like, one of the, my wife's going to be happy, I want to be home with my daughter. You know, that was, like, culminating there. Um, So, you know, it's just, like, crazy mixed emotions, you know, and I've had a lot of deer... (laughs) ground shrinkage you know when you walk up on them so we get down and we're filming and we got still got a little bit of light left and when we walked up on him man there was i mean he grew he was so big and um i don't know i I was just uh i was in awe like you know i didn't i didn't have a lot to say um quint was kind of looking at me like man talk, talk to me you know and i'm like i don't know what to say right now like this is just this didn't this stuff doesn't happen to me like that was the moment where i was like man i can do this like you know because i'm one that i always like to look for validation like you know if i'm gonna do something like this year my quest is like a public land buck i want to kill a public land buck so bad i've never hunted public land in my life and i need to validate it with you know a success to know that I can do it. You know what I mean? Like I can really tell myself every day that I can do it until I do it. Then it's like, okay, boom, here we go. Like I can do it. So that was kind of what was going through my head is like, you know, I did this on my own kind of thing. Like read the sign, got in there, hang and hunt. Um, and on the class of deer it was, it was, it was just crazy. That's awesome that, you know, despite, you know, having the success that you've had, in the woods that you are still challenging yourself and trying to find new ways to, you know, validate the hunter that you, you want to be. Yeah, for sure. That, that's what I never want to be stagnant. You know, um, I don't, I, I want to progress every year. I, you know, I've been able to accomplish some things, but like I have personal goals that I really want to accomplish. And, you know, if I don't do that, I don't think I'm pushing myself hard enough to do it. And, and pushing myself to the point where it's like, why are you doing this then? You know what I mean? I never wanted to get old. I, I always want um, to push for that next thing. And, and this year it's going to be, I'm going to hunt private still, but like my goal is to like hunt some public and, and kill public land buck. Awesome. Well, good luck with you on that. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about this hunt, but 
let's talk about the buck a little bit. You know, what was he? You know, um, I don't know if you're you're a guy that likes to score bucks, but I, I'd be curious to know how many points he was, what he scored. You know, um, did you age him at all? Tell me about him. Yeah, so I do score my deer, um, and honestly, I, I don't try to get tied up in score, but that's a good way of like, hey, it's a big 10. You know what I mean? Instead of saying that, it's like when you're talking audio form, people are like, well, how big is he? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of go through that night, like we went back to the lodge there and um, there was a lot of guys around and kind of the, the buzz kind of like kind of spread like wildflower and wildfire and the guys came out and you were drinking a lot of beers and and uh, they're like, oh, did you tape them yet? Did you tape them? I'm like, no, you know, we literally just got back and they wanted me to tape them and everything. So I didn't score them. I had another guy score them um, and he he was gross at 170 and six eights is what he's gross as a typical 10. Um, and he's got a kicker off his base, a two and a half inch kicker off his base of his time. But other than that, like his, he's got 26 inch main beams. Um, his G fours were over eight inches. Like he was just so symmetrical. Like there was not a lot of difference between the right to left side. Um, I think his one of his G threes was 14 inches. Um, he just, such a such a unique like typical deer and uh i didn't age him yet i got his teeth actually right here on my desk and i need to send those in to get aged i usually do that with all my deer i think he's probably going to be around that five and a half year old we did weigh him he was 250 pounds on the hoof um yeah he's a big long deer so i think he's going to be five and a half um i don't know we'll see he might surprise me um so, yeah, it's just a deer of a lifetime for me for sure. Yeah, I'll be curious to know. that That is an awesome buck. So I hope that if you've made it this far in the episode, we've already had you tune into the to the show to see it for yourself. <laughs> now, before we jump off here, I have one final question for you. Was there anything that you would do differently about the hunt looking back on it now? Oh, man, um, good question. So I think I'd do differently. Tough question know, whenever you're successful. I, really don't, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Uh, I will say, I don't know if I would have done it differently, but I will say to kind of go back to that, I'm going to I'm gonna redo your question a little bit, to go back to the evolution of like me as a hunter. You know, if I would have found this bench five years ago, me being a hunter, I would have forced myself to get into that first tree. Um, I would have said that's the tree, you know, like I'm getting into that one and it probably would have played out not as how it played out now. Um, so I will say that, uh, and I think the biggest take takeaway, one of the biggest takeaways to take from this or whoever might be listening is like, if you're trying to grow yourself as a hunter and everything is like, you know, look at step, take a step back because for me, when I'm in deer season, it's like everything's so quick boom 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 like you got to get here you got to you got to do this you're it's always a time crunch i feel like you're always on a you're always like on or in a rush like i am always in a rush really try to take a step back and live in the moment and really try to like dot your i's and cross your t's like if i wouldn't have done that i don't know if uh you know, this would have played out the way it did. And honestly, it comes with time and experience. Like 
me, I think I'm a little more mature now with my getting a little older. So, you know, my younger self would have probably just like, probably wouldn't even have made it to that bench, to be honest with you. I would have hunted the first scrape. I was like, oh, this one, there's a big deer here. It got to be, you know, on a field edge. And um, so, yeah, I don't know if I would have changed anything, but that's definitely one thing I, if there's a takeaway from this, to rephrase your question, I think that's one thing. It's just like really try to live in the moment and just try to like literally just sit there and just look around and try to pick out everything in the scenario you might be in to, uh, to be successful. Well, that's really great advice, man. I, I really enjoyed hearing your story um, from first person here and kind of getting a, a further breakdown of what was going through your mind and, and the decisions that you made and why you made them. Sounds like you're going to be posting a video up and, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know if that'll be before this podcast airs or after it, but guys, go check it out. I'm sure um, it'll make a lot more sense if he's got the Onyx maps going on and stuff like that. You can learn how the terrain looked and uh, maybe set you up for a good October hunt here coming soon if it applies to you. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we jump off here? No, man. I Other than I appreciate you having me on, dude. I really do. Um, thanks for reaching out. This is a lot of fun. Got to drink a couple beers and, and bullshit about some deer. I love that. So um, thank you very much. And yeah, uh, keep killing it, dude. Um, enjoy listening to your stuff. And thank you very much for having me on, man. Thanks. I appreciate you too. That's how we do it on the 573. We'll see you on the next one.